What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the All the High podcast. As always, I appreciate everyone for tuning in. It's been a while since I recorded an episode, but the 2022-2023 NBA season is officially back and ready to start again this week. So you know that we had to preview it for all of you guys. I'll be coming out with a little bit more content throughout the season as well. So please be on the lookout for that. As for today, I have a special guest joining the show, one of the best in the business. I have president of the Off the Ball Network, host of the Off the Ball podcast, the man himself, Chris LeBron. How are you doing, man? Hey, man. I appreciate you having me on the show. Basketball season is around the block, so anytime I can get get to talk ball, man, I'm always excited. So appreciate you having me on, brother. Always a pleasure, man, to have you on the show. You know, it's it's been a while since I've had you on the show, but it's always good to chop it up with, with someone from the East Coast as well. All right, man, let's get into it. I want to start with some bigger picture stuff with this season and then dive into a little bit more specific things later on. There's a lot of surprising moves, I think, that happened over the offseason and even things that we kind of expected to happen didn't. But I'll start with, what do you think will be the most impactful move of this offseason? And this could be either impactful in a positive way where you think the move is going to you know, propel this team up the standings and they're going to perform a lot better than they did the previous season. Or it could just be a negative impact, too, where you know they could have traded this player, but they didn't or they could have made a move, but they didn't. So what do you think is going to have the biggest impact coming into this season? I think the the Lakers with Russell Westbrook, I know that's kind of a hot thing right now and everyone's talking about that, but right. that whole Russell Westbrook situation just seems like it's it, it's it's going to get bad. Mm-hmm. And the Lakers are kind of, you know, they're trying to figure out what direction they need to go. And obviously they, they have LeBron James. So when you have LeBron James, you're a win-now mm-hmm. mode. But they don't have – the roster is not good. <laughs> I don't think it's good. Yeah. So, like – especially out West. I mean, I, I don't even think they're a playoff team right now. And right. the whole Russell Westbrook stuff and, you know, we can, we can blow up the whole, like not being with his teammates, you know, in the huddle with, uh, with Pat Bev and all doing the little stuff that, you know, you do with your teammates and stuff. I don't know. I just, I think there's a world where obviously they want to trade him and now you hear him come off the bench. I know they want to just get rid of him. And, and I just wonder if they were, if, if they get off to a rough start, would they just tell Russell Westbrook to just, we'll pay you and just stay home? Kind of like with the John Wall situation. Right, right. They do that so it doesn't mess up the chemistry because it just doesn't seem like it's going to work out. And I think that can really hurt this team. And like I said, LeBron's in win-now mode. They have a win-now mode team. But right. I don't think Westbrook is going to help the situation out You know, with the way he's playing right now. You know, obviously he's still a great player. You know, right. I think people kind of disrespect him as far as that, but his fit on this team is – it didn't make sense when they made the move, and I think we all said that, like, in the chat. Like, it doesn't make sense at all. Why right. would you do that? Like, he's not someone that can 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 play off the ball. No pun intended. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, or pun right. intended. But, like, he's not that type of player. So, like, right. I, I never understood how this was going to work. And it didn't. <laughs> and now they're like, oh, my God, we made a mistake. And we don't have anyone who wants no trade partners, really, unless right. we sacrifice picks and 
nowadays with the with the with the draft picks come with the draft classes coming up, they don't want to sacrifice picks. So right. I think they got to figure that out. And I wouldn't be surprised if they tell Russ, "Hey, man, just, just stay home, man. We'll pay you, but just stay home." You know, it's the last year of his deal. Right. You know, right. just just stay home, man. Uh, I think that might be uh, something that that comes down the line, especially if they have a rough start. Yeah, man, I'm with you there. And from the get go, we we all thought that it was just going to be a bad fit. Um, like you mentioned, he can't play off the ball or he, he might be able to. I think he's a good enough player to if he buys into that role. But he wants to be, you know, Oklahoma City, Houston Rockets, Russell Westbrook, where he gets to dictate things. He gets to have the ball in his hands. But when you have a team with LeBron James on it, you're you're not taking the ball out of LeBron's hands. And then you have, you know, the Anthony Davis component to it where he needs to get his touches. And it'll be interesting to see if it gets bad enough to the point where they tell him to just stay home. I think they're going to try out this little experiment um, starting in the season with him coming off of the bench we saw it a little bit in this last preseason game but he ended up picking up a little hamstring injury so hopefully that's nothing to worry about or to be concerned but I'm with you man the the Lakers we'll talk about our standings later on and where we have those respective teams but it's going to be tough for them to be even competing for a playoff spot in my opinion and then I think they're just like last year, they're they're one injury to one of their ma- main players away from being really, really bad. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. can get bad, man. It can get bad out there, and they that might not be a bad thing because hey, you yeah. got the pick. <laughs> I think they have the perk this year, and we know who's coming out in the draft. So right. they they may because eventually, if they fall flat on their face, they don't really have a a future. They don't have young pe- player players. Right. Like, All right. At least we got these pieces to build off. No, they got a 38 year old LeBron James, a what 30 Anthony Davis, and a Russell Westbrook. You know, he's gonna be coming off, but they don't have a lot of good young pieces. They got Reeves and all that, but that's it. They're <laughs> yeah. very bleak. And then you no, know, uh, it's come to the realization that LeBron can't do what he did 10 years ago and oh. carry a team like that, and uh, not even just four five years ago. But they got a lot to figure out out there in LA. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do for sure. But for me, the signing that I have to say was the biggest one, in my opinion, is the Donovan Mitchell signing for Cleveland. And I think this is one of the bigger offseason moves for a couple of reasons. I like the move more for what it potentially can do for the Darius Garland, Evan Mobley duo, more so than how I feel about Donovan Mitchell as a player in general, if that makes sense. Um, Darius Garland has progressively gotten better each and every year in practically all statistical categories. And I think he's really well positioned to make a leap into that perennial all-star guard discussion starting this year. Evan Mobley is absolutely incredible for how young he is. He's super polished. He can thoroughly defend one through five. His, His feel for the game is very, very impressive even at this early stage of his career. And I just think he's going to keep getting better and better. And I already think that they're one of the best pairings in the league. And Donovan Mitchell only amplifies what they can do. They add another ball handler. So Garland can play off the ball a bit more. 
They can run a little bit more diverse actions with Evan Mobley. And the Cavs in general were super, super fun to watch last season. Um, their season got derailed a little bit with injuries, especially that, that Ricky Rubio one. But now they'll have him back at some point during the season to run those second units. They keep their main core pieces practically intact and add a three-time all-star. That gives them a huge offensive jolt like they haven't had. They finished eighth last season, but I think this move puts them in that top five, maybe top four discussion in the Eastern Conference. And I think they're going to be a, a pretty tough matchup for anyone that they play. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the Donovan Mitchell signing to, to Cleveland? I know that you were kind of hoping that he landed on your Knicks. Yeah, and th the bidding war got, it wasn't even a bidding war. It was, it was kind of like Knicks or bust. Yeah. And, it, and it felt like, you know, it was just a matter of time before he become he became a New York Nick. But obviously, right. you know, there's always a team lurking. And we know that in the NBA, there's always a team lurking. And Cleveland pounced on it. And I think that's good for Cleveland. You know, they're finally figuring out things without LeBron James, right? Right. It's, it's, uh, it's always been all – the only time they're good is when they got LeBron. Mm -hmm. And they finally figured it out. Garland took that leap that they needed, you know, uh, progressively got better, you know, uh, each year in the league and, and obviously having an all-star and he's super efficient too and great free throw shooter, you know, um, and, and I think he's just going to continue to get better um, as a playmaker also, um, which is crazy because he almost averaged nine a game. So, you know, he can get better as a playmaker, but especially with the emergence of Mobley and, and Allen, I mean, this guy can probably average 10 assists a game easily, yeah, Absolutely, you know, uh, so I like them going after it and going all in on it. You know, they felt like they they had enough young pieces to give up and they didn't really give up anyone. It may be a backcourt that, that's not ideal defensively, but when you got Mobley and, and Allen back there and Okoro too is going to be a, a key factor in this in this lineup, you know, it doesn't really matter because you have three guys who are really good defenders right. that, that can make stops. So I mean... I like this Cavs team. I think they're going to do some some good stuff this year, and I think Mobley is going to take the next leap. and And I think if he takes the next leap, I wouldn't be shocked if they're a top three seed. To be honest, because if he takes that leap the way Garland did last year, man, it, they, this Cavs team is going to be really good. Because Mobley, I mean, I've said this on a few shows. I think he's like a blend of KG and and, um, and Chris Bosh. He's so good. You blend that together, man. That's a special player. And he has that talent. And, you know, he can guard guys in the perimeter. So switches aren't going to be an issue with him because he has such long arm that he's so mobile. So this kind of team is going to be fun to watch this year. Maybe to have some adjustments, you know, some uh, right. some beginning of the season, you know, um, up and down. Like most teams, yeah, growing pains early, which like most teams go through. But uh, I think they'll finally figure it out. And uh, this team, won't be surprised if this team's, you know, bad enough for home court advantage in first round. Yeah, you made a, gr a great point. I think it was an absolute no-brainer when they saw that they could keep Okoro, Allen, and Mobley. Like, I'm sure that Utah asked for one of those guys at least, but um, we knew that they weren't trading any of those guys. So the fact that they managed to keep that defensive core intact, I think that's going to make that transition into that Mitchell-Garland backcourt a little easier for them where they don't feel as uneasy having them guard 
people out on the perimeter because they have Mobley in the back line. They have Jared Allen protecting the rim and they have Isaac Accor to put on, you know, the best guard or the best perimeter player of the opposing team. But speaking of leaps, let's talk about a player or team that is positioned to have a breakout season this year. We kind of talked a little bit about the Cavs and how they're positioned to make a big jump in the standings. But do you have another player or team that you think is going to have a big, big year for their team? Okay, so I'm going out west and I'm going with the Pelicans. Mm. I, think, I think the Pelicans, man, this team's really good. I think yeah, they are, yeah. They are really good. And what's crazy is that they started off last year, you know, bad. I think I think I forgot their record. At Three and point, sixteen, I believe. Three and six. Yeah, yeah. It was something crazy like that, right? It was like, uh, boy, they were. It was bad, and I felt bad for Willie Green. I was like, man, I hope he's not one and done. Um, obviously Zion being hurt and all that, and just there was a lot of dysfunction there. Right. You know, so I, I felt bad for Willie Green, and but uh, you know, good coaches right the ship, and that's exactly what he did, and they want to make in the playoffs, and and you know, make a little bit of noise. You know, get they get CJ McCollum. You know, uh, B.I. took a step forward and right now it's like it's a complete 360. Like they they you would never thought that they had so much turmoil last season, you know, the beginning of the year and all that. And now they're they're one of those teams that are in prime position to take that next up. Sort of like the Cavs. They're kind of like the Cavs of the right. West, you know, where they're primed to take that leap. And they have everything, man. They have everything. They have everything. They got size length shooting you know guys who can take dudes off the dribble you know uh defense you know herb jones and then they took dyson daniels who i mm -hmm. that's who i wanted the next that was my guy i was so he's nice him. he's nice you know um, they're gonna have to get him minutes because he's someone that could be good and uh you know the the obviously having cj there you know, having that veteran leadership was just going to give you 20. And then Zion and B.I., like, I mean, I just found Tunis is there. Like, they, they got everything, man. They, they got like, Trey Murphy off the bench. You know, Kyra Lewis, hopefully he stays healthy. I was big on Kyra Lewis a few years back. You know, I had him as a top five prospect, right. you know, out of Bama. I think he, he's poised to do some, like, Jose Alvarado. Like, they got they got, they got a squad. Yeah. Real like this team. It's all about health. If they're healthy, I think – I think they can make some noise out west. I like the coaching. Um, I trust Willie Green. They, they, the team fights for Willie Green, and Bi's poised to have an All NBA type of season, mm -hmm. you know, second team type season. I really think he's going to take that next step. So, uh, I think the Pelicans, man. I think that's that's the team that uh, that uh, that's prime for a breakout. Yeah, I totally agree with you. The Pelicans are going to be a scary team out west. Um, they're going to make a huge jump in the standings too, like you said, like the Cavs. Um, Brandon Ingram is going to be a huge, huge part of their season. Um, I do think they're going to probably load manage uh, Zion a little bit. I, I can't see him playing all that many games, especially just with his injury history. He looks like he's in incredible shape right now. Um, yeah. So if you're telling me he can play, you know, 50 or 60 games this year, um, I think that team is good enough and deep enough to be able to win 50 games in, in the regular season. Um, and then you mentioned the depth that they have. They have the shooting 
They have guys that can bring the ball up in Ingram. Zion can do a little point forward type thing. Mm -hmm. uh, they have CJ McCollum as kind of that vet leader on their team. Larry Nance, too. I forgot about Larry Nance, too. Like, Larry Nance, yeah, he's huge as he could play that, you know, small ball five in some lineups. You mentioned Dyson Daniels, who I love during preseason. Um, I didn't I didn't see a lot of him, but he he is nice. I, I really like his game. Jose Alvarado, be a pesky defender. You got Herb Jones, probably one of the better three and D guys in the league. If his three pointer starts falling at a, you know, even league average clip or a little higher than that, he's going to be a great, great player for them. And just shout out David Griffin, man, and Willie Green. Willie Green got him to buy into that system he wants them to play. And David Griff Griffin was able to make the moves to be able to put this team together. And I think they're, they're positioned to be good on defense. They're going to have, um, Valanchunas and Zion getting all the rebounds. It's going to be hard to get rebounds against that team. And then they have a lot of guys that they can go to to score the ball efficiently as well, too. It's not just empty shots or anything like that. I went more of an individual perspective rather than a whole team. So I have two names for you. And the first one might surprise you because I usually don't push this type of propaganda on my podcast. But the first guy I have on my list is Franz Wagner of the Orlando Magic. He averaged 15, four and three last season on pretty decent efficiency, made the all rookie team this summer. He looked really, really good for Germany in Eurobasket. He helped them win the bronze medal. He looked really, really good during preseason on both ends of the court. He's a solid 6'10". He can shoot. He can defend. He can distribute. He almost had a triple double the other night against the Grizzlies, and he's a very reliable player. He played in 79 games last season, the most of any rookie in the league. And now he gets to share the court with number one overall pick, Paolo Banquero. And I think the trio of Franz, Paolo, and Wendell Carter is going to be a very interesting and dynamic collection of players. And I think this should be a year where you would think that the Orlando Magic kind of want to make a push to try and at least contend for maybe a play-in spot um the east is very deep and they could still have a ways to go but i can see franz making a huge sophomore leap do you have any thoughts on him franz man he he has surprised me i shouldn't say surprised but i didn't have him like highly ranked like in the lottery so i had him probably like in the 20s coming out the draft mm, okay. but i didn't think he'd be this good you know, uh, yeah. this quick, and uh, he really showed up. And that Orlando team, too, is is a low-key, uh, going to be fun team. I mean, I don't think they'll be a playoff team, but, right. you know, they, they, they have some guys there um, that, that are going to be fun to watch. And Paolo, Paolo's a beast, man. Pa Paolo's going to be special. And, and they got a potential to have, like, a jumbo lineup at the wing. They, <laughs> yeah. They got, some, they got some fun. They're going to be a fun team. They're going to be a fun team, and I think they can make some noise in, in maybe another year or two. But Franz is good, man. Really showed out 3 and D type of prospect. And to score more, you know, he might make that 20-point per game jump. Right. You know, with, with, uh, with the way Orlando's set up right now. Um, yeah, I'm with you there. I think uh, it's interesting because I watched him a little bit in, uh, in college just because um, the Warriors were talking about him a bunch, a lot of – insiders on the Warriors were talking about how he would be a great plug-and-play type of guy even as a rookie and it showed all throughout last year and even this summer where he can be a good three-point shooter he's a good defender he's a big guy so 
I'm excited to see what they can do down in Orlando. And like you said, they might be, they might be a year or two away, but I think it's one of those things where they're not trying to tank to try to get a top pick again. Like right now, I think they're yeah. well positioned with their young core that they have. So it's time to make um, a little bit more stride and then also build some chemistry and continuity off of, off of those young players. I had, a, I had another player on my list and I want to run them by you as well. And that's Tyrese Halliburton. He is an absolutely perfect spot to really have a monster year. Um, I don't, I don't know if he can really be considered a breakout candidate just because he's already, you know, so fucking good. And now he's going to be essentially the focal point of this Indiana team that I don't think they have many reasons to try and win games. They still have guys like Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, guys like, Chris Duarte to play alongside Halliburton, but I don't even see the two vets on the team come to trade deadline, to be honest. Like we've heard mm-hmm. the Lakers speculation all throughout the summer and for a while um, for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, but I just think they're poised to just let those guys go at some point during the season. But in Halliburton's 26 games after he was traded from the Sacramento Kings in that Sabonis deal, he increased his scoring from 14 a game to 17 a game his assists went up from seven and a half to almost 10 and he raised his field goal percentage to 50 percent and in the last 10 games of the season he had five double doubles averaging 17 and a half and 10 assists over that span and he even had a game with 17 assists so i think he's going to have a tremendous year and the pacers might still be bad enough that they won't necessarily win a lot of games, but they won't have to sit him down because they're winning too much and hinder his development as a result of that. Do you have any thoughts on Halliburton in general? Brian, this one hurts because I want him to be a Knicks so bad. <laughs> uh, in the draft, like that was like one of my targets. Like mm-hmm. I felt like he's exactly what we need. And the fact that the Sacramento Kings traded him, I still don't get that. Sacramento's actually doing some some positive things, you know. So they actually may be on the right up on the come up. But Halliburton, man, once he got to Indiana, he just started flourishing, you know. Right. To, you know, to, to be there and have the ball in his hands for the most part, you know, because he was not just sharing with Fox, and he's someone that could play off the ball, which is kind of how it, it kind of worked in Sacramento. I think that might be my pick for most improved player. Mm-hmm. I think he's my MIP. I think he makes that. He, he's going to get to that 20 point. I know they're going to be bad. Right. So that might hurt his case because usually most improve is like a first time all star. And he could he could be in that running for first time all star. But, you know, his team's going to be bad. So that might hurt yeah. his chances. Um, just how like the league has worked. We've seen first, you know, for legit first time all stars. You probably usually get the, the MIP. Right. So, uh, but I think he's. He's definitely going to be there. You know, he, I think he'll get 20 a game. You know, they got a lot of young pieces. And like you said, Buddy Heald and Turner probably won't be there by mid, by the trade deadline or even sooner. Mm-hmm. So um, he's going to have opportunity to, to score and uh, show his show that aspect of his game. And on top of, you know, they got some good young some players. Duarte's solid and um, Matherin looks really good. Yeah, yeah, he's nice too. He, he, he's going to be a good one. So they might have some two you know, centerpieces for, for a while there in Indy, but Hallie, I love Hallie, you know, um, he's so good. And 
people were so worried about his the way his shot looked in college. I'm like, yo, he's shooting. He, he's a fish. He shoots. I think he's shooting above 50 percent and then 40 from three. Like, I don't care how it looks. It goes in. That's the yeah. most important thing. So uh, he's going to be he's poised for a really breakout season. So uh, and uh, kind of crazy. So they got a break. They got a they, they got something going in Indy. It's going to take a little while, but. They, they got some two good, good core pieces there, and um, Howie's going to be a monster this year. I'm really looking forward to watching him play. Yeah, man, I'm with you. I think he's absolutely going to be pushing that 20 and 10 mark, and he's a decent rebounder, too. He's kind of a bigger guard, um, mm-hmm. but I think they, like you said, they're, they're not going to win games, um, but he's going to be able to be pushing, you know, 35, 40 minutes a game, just playing as much as he wants, and, yeah. you know, them building off of him and, and Benedict Matherin, I think they have some some good offensive uh, cornerstones for their franchise moving forward. And who knows, maybe they'll be bad enough that they have a chance to go get, you know, a Scoo Henderson or a Victor Wembeyama or someone else that's coming yeah. into that draft. But um, that happens for Indy and they get Victor. Oh my God. Victor with there you go. Matherin and Halliburton and Wembeyama. Oh my God. Ooh, man, that's, that's, that's a good building block. So those are good building blocks. It, it could they could figure things out quicker than than most teams usually can because they got some good pieces. And if they hit the lotto, you know, you take that that seven foot four guy, and now you now you got pieces. Now you now you got something to really build on. Pair a guy like that with someone with the IQ of Halliburton, and then uh, yep. a scorer as explosive as Matherin. That's that. That would be really nice. I I wouldn't mind seeing them tank if they did that for sure. That's we're gonna see a lot of that, Brian. We're gonna see a lot of teams once we get to the turn of the the new year, and teams are feeling like they're out of it. We might see more tanking than we usually see. Like I know the play in is something, and people all like, you know get a chance to make the playoffs. But there's some teams that probably be looking. All right, do we try to get in the play in, beat and get knocked out, and then get the 14th pick, 15th pick? Right. Or do we just, you know, lose a few games here and there and, and give us a chance, just be in it. You know, it's like playing the lottery for real, right? You got to be in it to win it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I think we might see that. I think we might see that. You know, team more teams that usually would probably fight to get in the play-in, maybe be like, yeah, let's let's actually scale it back. Let's That 7 for 4 guys changed a lot of teams. Yeah mindset going to this year so that's going to be interesting to see how that, that goes this year <laughs> that's funny that you mentioned that because even with the lottery odds now that you own the most you can get is a 14 percent chance people are or teams are still gonna try to lose as many games as possible to yeah. even have that 14 percent chance at a guy like like victor so it's yeah. gonna be competitive even down at the bottom and we'll get into oh, yeah. that a little we're gonna, later we're gonna see competitive losing if that's even the thing <laughs> you know like Teams are going to, hey, and not every time that the top three teams get the number one pick. You know, we've seen crazier things. Teams with 3% chances, 5% chances get the number one pick. I think the Pelicans right. get like a 5% chance or whatever, uh, a low odds against Zion. So you right. just never, you have to be in it to win it. Absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> from fighting at the bottom. All right, man, let's get into some more predictions. I asked you to come up with three teams that you think are – the most favorable contenders in both conferences. We'll get into the standings a little bit more later, but we're going to start in the East. And off the top, I just want you to give me your three teams that you think have 
the best chance of coming out of the East? Okay, so out East, my top three seeds are the Bucks, Sixers, and the Celtics. All right, let's. I had the exact same three. You said Bucks, Sixers, and Celtics, yeah? Yep, Bucks, Sixers, Celtics, in that order. All right, perfect. I have the exact same order. Let's talk about the Bucks first. Give me your thoughts on why Milwaukee is your number one team in the East. And well, I think Giannis is is um, is primed to just have a, a, a really great season as usual, and it could be better than most of his seasons, which is kind of scary. I think his shooting outside gets better. Uh, I think you know what we saw from Eurobasket. I think he that that um, from uh, from uh, what they just played in the world, you know, the world games and all that. He's he's going to translate to the to this year, and he's going to really show out even more. Um, and I just I trust Drew Holiday, uh, Middleton. We got to see with his health and all that if he's healthy. Right. I just think they overall like they're always going to be on the top of the East, and I just trust them the most out of these three teams. I think the Sixers we still got to figure out some things. You know, I know they have a nice little three. You know, with Harden, Maxi, and and uh, Embiid. I just trust them the most. I just trust them. They've they've had the pedigree. They showed it, and uh, I think they're they're right now. I think they're my top seed out out east. They have Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think that he's the best player in the league right now. I don't think that's a crazy take. I don't think it should be really Not debatable either. because he's the best player um, to be able to make a difference on both ends of the court. Um, he's always in a great position to compete for MVP. He's good to be competing for DPOY as well. So there's not a lot of players in that, you know, top 10 uh, players in the league that are able to compete for both of those awards. And Giannis is one of them. But I think there was a, a consensus thought among NBA fans um, that if they had Middleton this last season for that Celtic series, they, they probably win that and then go on to the finals. And I know for a fact that Giannis would have been a problem for the Warriors. So as long as he's on this team, they're always going to be dangerous. Uh, like I said, he's the best player in the league. Um, they have the championship core. But my my concern about Milwaukee is that their roster just keeps getting older. Yeah. Um, they didn't make any like solid moves to add to their core already. Um, their, their big signing this offseason was... You know, Joe Ingles, who's 35 years old and he's coming off of, of an ACL injury. So he's not even going to be playing at the beginning of the season. He's going to be integrated into the team a little later on. Um, their main players consist of guys who are all 30 and older, which sometimes isn't an issue for contending teams because they have that veteran presence. But it's all going to come down to health because we saw if if one of their three main guys gets hurt, I think uh, even with Giannis going absolutely bonkers, I think they they top out at you know the second round, maybe even conference finals. Um, but I don't think they can get to the finals if one of those three guys is hurt. But I think it would make me feel a little bit more comfortable if they can make some sort of move during the trade deadline that adds you know another three and D wing or just another score to the team, where in case something does happen to Middleton to Drew. Um, I'm not even going to say Giannis because if something happens to Giannis where he can't play, they're, they're not going to win anything. No, um, but if one of those other two guys um, gets hurt or for some reason can't play, um, if they can add someone to kind of um, cushion that fall, then I think it would be great for them. 
but let's talk about the Sixers now. Um, because like I said, I think they're they're an interesting team and they have, in my opinion, one of the better off seasons of anyone in the league. They add PJ Tucker, they add, you know, uh Emmanuel House, they have Tyrese Maxey coming back, Joel Embiid, of course, James Harden, the talk of the offseason as well. It looks like he's in shape and he's ready to go. So they addressed a lot of the issues that they had from the prior season where they didn't have enough shooting, they didn't have enough perimeter defense. And now they essentially put together the 2018 Rockets again, just, you know, five years later. And I think a lot of their season is going to hinge on whether, what version of James Harden we get. Are we going to get the James Harden that, you know, is kind of slacking and he's scoring, you know, 18 to 20, but he's still giving you 10, 11 assists per game. Or are we going to get, you know, MVP level James Harden, where he's scoring 25 to 30, also dishing out assists, getting everyone involved. If you get that version of James Harden, um, I think they are in a great position to finish as the number one seed. Uh, and then MVP, and then uh, Embiid has a good case for MVP this year. So he's he's positioned to have a great leap too and be in that conversation. So if those two guys are on the same page, if Maxi takes another step, I think they're a very, very, very dangerous team out in the East and they could really compete with Milwaukee. But what are your thoughts on the Philadelphia 76ers? If they're healthy, they should be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. They should be there. I think Harden's coming in with a chip on his shoulder. Right. He's healthy. So there's another offseason where he's worried about rehabbing. He's healthy. And I think we might see some remblance of like, we saw a lot of pick and roll with him in. in especially in Houston. And I think we're going to see that, but just more dynamic because he has a more dynamic, you know, um, you know, rim runner in, in, in Embiid. And Embiid's not just a rim runner. Like, he could run through you. Do everything, yeah. He can pick and pop. He can do a lot of things. And I think we might see a lot of that. And um, I think I had a stat, and I'm trying to pick it up here. I was a stat I saw before when he got there. I think they – Oh, yeah, it was – by a crazy margin too. Their their yeah. pick and roll efficiency was it was almost a guaranteed basket every time that they ran the Harden and the pick and roll. Because I mean, as the pick and roll is one of those things where you run it to make the defense think, you know, you they don't know what you're gonna do. Like is Harden gonna keep the ball and shoot a three, a step back three, mm-hmm. or is he gonna, you know, drive into the lane and off of that screen and then get fouled? Um, or is he going to give the ball to Embiid where the dude is, yeah. you know, seven, one, seven, two, he's huge. And he's a lot of it, or he can also pick and pop too. Like you said, it's, it's yeah. crazy, but yeah, if they run that a little bit more this year, they just kind of spam that, that pick and roll. It's, it's going to be tough to beat them. If Harden's anything close to what he was just a few years ago, like before the injury when we had in Brooklyn, like right. he was, he held Brooklyn together when, when Kyrie was hurt and KD was hurt. When he was when he got there, remember when he got first out there, KD and Kyrie were out. Yeah. And he held it, he looked like an MVP. Yeah, there was talk <laughs> about him winning MVP during that span. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, hey man, Harden might win the MVP. You know, <laughs> he, he might do it. And then he gets hurt and he kind of hobbled. And then obviously we know what happened last year. You know, um Axis is axes out of Brooklyn and goes to Philly and you know, MB gets hurt in playoffs and all that, and that kind of hurt. But if they're health, and that's Brian, that's going to be the number one thing for all these teams is health. Right. The healthiest team is going to be the one that's going to last, right? And we've right. seen that in all these years, right? 
mm-hmm. you know, the healthiest team is going to win it. So if they're healthy, and I feel like we say that, like I mentioned, we say that about a lot of teams. If they're healthy, they yeah. could be this. Their ceiling is the finals. Like right. the Sixers' ceiling is holding up the Larry O'Brien trophy. Like that's their ceiling. Like they could win the champion. You wouldn't be surprised if they were champions. Oh, absolutely not. But you wouldn't be surprised if you know they get injuries and they're bounced out in the first second round. Right. So I think they have a great team. Maxie's someone a lot of people are high on. Um, Thibault, they got good, good defense. They added P- or they got PJ Tucker, right? They added PJ Tucker. Yeah, and Emmanuel um, House too. So I think that's that. I think those two signings are huge for them. Simply because Matisse Thibel is a great like on ball defender, but that's about as good as it gets with him. Like he has no offensive yeah. for this team like at all. But Harden, I think the best version of Harden that you have and the players to put alongside and beat are those three and D guys who can spot up and shoot. And then on the other side, Harden doesn't have to go and guard, you know, one of the best guards in the league when they're playing a good team. They're going to be like, okay, P.J. Tucker, go guard him out on the perimeter. Or P.J. Tucker, go try to bang with Giannis. Go try to bang with KD. And he's going to be able to do it. And same thing with Emmanuel House. Go pick up the best perimeter player on the opposing team. And then they still have we, – we haven't even talked about Tyrese Maxey, who I think – but right now, if Maxey can be something along the lines of the second-best player on the Sixers and Harden doesn't have to do so much to carry the team um, – I think that's that'd be huge for them too, where he can just focus on distributing, being a little bit more efficient, um, worry about staying in shape and being healthy. Uh, I think they, like you said, their ceiling is the Larry O'Brien Trophy for sure. Yep, and with Tobias Harris, or we even talk about Tobias. And Tobias here, yeah, they still have to buy that. They're deep, man. (laughs) They have a good team. Some pieces like they don't need Tobias to be, you know, the second option. You know, he's probably best in that. You know, being that, you know, that three-four option. Right. And on any given day, he can step up to two if I've Harden's out or, you know, Embiid's out. So I think that's a better role for him being in that. And then the emergence of Maxi, obviously, he's someone that people are like another most improved type of player. Right. You know, uh, PJ Tucker, you had that toughness that they, they needed. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, everywhere he goes, team gets tougher. So, yeah, and we kind of saw that Bucks missed that, that um, missed him a lot last year, not having right. that him around. And there's Paul Reed, too, Paul Reed. I think someone that's going to help them out, you know, DeAndre Melton, like they got, you want, you know, they got everything, you know, um, to, to do it all. So it's up to Doc to, to figure it out. You know, we know Doc has, you know, had a lot of good teams and he hasn't been able to take that team over the hump. And that's what great coaches do. They, they, they take these teams and they take them over. And this is a big year for him. This is a big year for Doc, you know, especially if the bit, if uh, Mr. Embiid is healthy, if, if Embiid's healthy, and he gives you 65, 70 games, maybe. Um, he'll, he'll win MVP for sure. Yeah. That means he's averaging 30, you know, 30 and whatever, 30 and 10, and, and giving you good defense. And, right. um, and and they'll they'll be there. They'll be in the finals. Um, so this is a big year for them. A lot of pressure, a lot of pressure for on Doc and, and, and Harden. But yeah, man, I'm excited for to, to watch them play. I think they're going to be a uh, regular season juggernaut. I wouldn't be surprised if they win, you know, 55 to 60 games, to be honest. Like I said, I think based on um, how thin Milwaukee looks um, and how reliant on Giannis and mainly on Giannis that they're going to be, especially at the beginning of the season without Middleton, um, I think the Sixers are in a great position to just 
go for it, get the number one seed, get home court advantage throughout the Eastern Conference, and then, you know, hopefully Harden in the playoffs keeps playing at his regular season form and doesn't turn into, you know, oh shit, it's game five, it's 2-2, I'm going to go two for 11 Harden, you know what I mean? Um, But, all right, let's move on to the third team on our list, Boston Celtics, also the talk of the offseason. It seemed like it was for good reasons at the beginning because they signed, you know, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, they signed Danilo Gallinari. It looked like they really shirred up the spots where they had a bit of an issue, especially in the finals where they needed, I think, a better floor general. And Malcolm Brogdon is that. Um, and then they also had, you know, the scoring big man in, in Gallinari. And obviously we know that he he's out now with that injury and they're able to get Blake Griffin. But the biggest question for them and the biggest, you know, topic of discussion is the Emi Odoka situation, a coach mm-hmm. that really, really had them buy into the system that he wanted to run. We saw them completely change their season going from a pretty mediocre team at the beginning to a defensive juggernaut that really like they, they were destroying teams left and right at the end of the season. And they had, a, I think they, I think a span of games where they went like 21 and three or 21 and four or something like that. Um, but I think the biggest question for them is going to be, you know, how much will this Ime Odoka situation affect the team? But what are your overall thoughts on the Celtics and, and what do you think needs to happen for them to kind of have a repeat of last season? And do you think that's possible given the situation they're in? Obviously, we all know, you know, the the situation that happened with with coach and all that. And that's obviously a tough thing to to lose your head coach to help take you to uh, the NBA finals. And, you know, a few things go their way and they might be, we might be talking about them as the world champions, you know, defending their crown this year. But I, I just... You know, I think they have enough leadership in that, on that team, where they can be able to withstand all the distractions. You know, um, if this was a younger team, and and we talk that's the same thing with your with your Warriors too. Like if that was that situation, like if this was a different team, I think I'd be more worried. You know, let's just come together and continue. So that's why I still I still think they're they're a top three team out least. You know, Tatum's. You know, had a really good playoff. Struggled in the finals a little bit, right. but um, he kind of emerged as someone that was knocking on that superstar. You know, um, on that superstar category, right. um, Jalen Brown's vastly underrated, which is kind of weird to say because he's an All Star and he shouldn't be in the underrated category. But he's he's always gets slept on. And bringing in Brogdon was huge. Um, mm-hmm. And if Brogdon's healthy, which is he's another one of those guys that if he's healthy, he's a perfect fit but he just has to stay healthy uh, that I, I'm not overly stressed out about, you know, everything that happened and that how it's going to affect them throughout the season. Uh, I think they'll, they'll rally and, and they'll be all right. You know, um, I think they'll be all right. They got, they got a good foundation there. Right. Um, so, uh, I'm not as, you know, a lot of people have some rated lower and all that. And I, I don't see that. I think they'll still be fighting that, but <laughs> yeah, because sometimes, you get the good and the bad of Marcus Smart, and there's more good than bad, but the bad can sometimes be really bad. Right. And there's some games, especially in the playoffs, in the finals, where you're like, oh, God, like, why is the ball in his hand right now? Like, that's absolutely and it helps their defense. Their defense was number one in the league. After because of him. The new year. It was dominant, yeah. their defense, though. 
they need to get him healthy. I don't know what his timetable is, but he, he's going to be missing a big chunk of change. So they need him back. But if they get him back, you know, around the break or before that, um, they're going to be primed to to uh, be a top three seed out east and, uh, and and make some noise in the playoffs because they have Tatum. They have they have two guys who could score, give right. you fifty combined any night. So um, they still got the pieces, and I trust I trust their their vets to to keep the the ship going. I'm going to find it interesting to see how how Jalen Brown approaches the season just because it seems like anytime there's a big-time star available on the market, he's one of the first names that pop up on the list on the trade block. It happened this season with uh, Kevin Durant being available. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he takes that and if he can take you know one of those leaps where he can become a bit more of an efficient scorer um, and you know maybe have a little bit more of a dribbling capability. I think that that was a huge thing that I noticed during the finals is that a lot of the guys on the Celtics aren't very good dribblers. Um, they can't really get stuff off the dribble. Um, yeah. I think Malcolm Brogdon helps a lot. Just having a guy that can, you know, calm things down, set everyone up. Um, that takes away ball handling responsibilities from, like you said, Marcus Smart, who oftentimes is kind of erratic with the ball. You sometimes don't know what you're going to get with him. Um, and also taking the ball out of uh, Tatum's hands and, you know, Jalen Brown, where they can go, you know, try to post someone up or try to run some actions for them uh, where they're not the initial ball handler, too. Um, we know that at the end of close games, important games, Tatum is probably going to have the ball in his hands. But um, if if Brogdon can stay healthy, I mentioned it at on my pod at, at the end of the season last year. I think they needed to go get a, a true guard like this. Um, and he's, he's a little bit injury prone. He tends to miss, you know, 15 to 20 games a season, but if he's good for the playoffs, that that's, what's going to matter. I don't think that the Celtics are going to be too concerned where they land in the standings per se. Um, but they, they're still going to have to, um, work those guys into the rotation and make sure that, um, they're healthy come when, when the games actually matter. Uh, but Robert Williams is going to be huge too. Uh, I personally think he was the, probably the best defender on that team. Um, I, I don't, I still don't know how, how Marcus Smart won defensive player of the year. Um, I think it, if any, if any Celtics should have won, it sh probably should have been Rob Williams because he's such a disruptor on, on both ends of the court. Um, you, you just never know if you're going to go up for a layup, he might come out of nowhere and just block your shot or he's good enough to contest, you know, perimeter players as well. So I'm, I'm hoping that he doesn't miss too much of the uh, time before he's able to come back and that he's able to play at a high level again this year. But yep. those are the three teams that we have for the Eastern Conference. Let's move out West now. Uh, give me your three teams for the West in order. Um, I got the Clippers, the Warriors, and the Denver Nuggets. Mm, okay. In that order? In that order, yeah. All right. I have the exact same teams, a little different order. I have... Warriors, Clippers, and Nuggets. So I'll start with, since you have the Clippers as one, why do you think the Clippers are best positioned to come out the West as, as the number one seed? I, I, I love their depth so much. And that's right. kind of like with the both teams, I'm not in the Warriors, and I'll talk about the Warriors a little bit, mm -hmm. but the depth of both, both these teams, but especially Clippers, um, I know there's a there's a lot of ifs with injuries, right? They're another team that's a, a what if, you know, with, with injuries and all that with Kawhi. But I feel like Kawhi is going to come in healthy. You know, he usually takes more time than usual with injuries. 
Right. Um, because he, he's so protective of his body. So he probably could have played some last year. But keep it safe. I think he's going to come in. He's healthy. He's 100%. PG-13, you know, he, he, he uh, what, last week or so said, you know, this is Kawhi's team and he's embracing being a number two. And that's a hell of a number two to have when, you know, at times he could be a number one. Right. So you have those two, like, they're kind of like Boston. You know, they broke back Zubox, who, who saw, and they could probably add another big somewhere down the line, you know, back up big. But, you know, Powell, Marcus Morris off the bench, uh, Reggie Jackson's the starting guard right now, and he played good in that role last year. Bringing in John Wall, uh, motivated John Wall, who hasn't played a lot of basketball in the last three years. Um, and Ty Lue is a hell of a coach. Um, and that's not even talking about guys like B.J. Boston. Right. You know, I think they can give them some solid minutes off the bench. I, I just think this team's poised to finally get over that hump. I just think they finally put it together. And I think uh, they, they they do it and they come out the way. And then they may not be the one seed because they might rest some guys down the line. But yeah. I, I just, you know, think – and I, but I think the Warriors do the same thing too. So I think um, – um, I just think – I love their depth. And you need depth in the NBA. Because so right. in case you do lose a Paul George or a Kawhi, Kawhi's going to miss games, obviously. So uh, I think you need that depth and they have the depth, you know, just to uh, succumb, you know, for an injury and all that. So right. uh, my Covington, too, I forgot about Covington, who, who, who bounced back big time right. last year and played good ball. So um, Trey Mann, Luke Kennard, like they got, they got top two, um, you know, so they got some, they got, they got depth. And I, and I really, I really like this team a lot, and I think they they're poised to to finally get over that hump and, and uh, do some big things this year, and maybe hold that trophy. Yeah, man, the Clippers on paper are probably the the scariest team in the league, but they're I think even more so than a lot of other teams. They're probably the biggest what if too. Um, this is year four or five of the you know, Kawhi, Paul George experiment. Um, they don't have much to show for it besides that conference finals appearance against mm-hmm. Phoenix where Kawhi wasn't even playing. Um, but they have two of, if not the two best, you know, wings in the league um, coming off of what they didn't play. Uh, Kawhi didn't play specifically last season. Paul George missed some times as well. Um, but if they can stay healthy, if they can stay on the court, uh, I personally don't think they will come out as the one seed, like you said, just because I can't see Kawhi playing more than, you know, 50 games. I think he's he's going to take a lot of time off to just load manage and be 100% for, for the playoffs where it really matters. Um, mm-hmm. But that's where the depth comes in. Um, they have John Wall. A big question is, is he going to make the team better? You know, is he going to buy into coming off the bench or are they just kind of letting Reggie Jackson take the reins for a little bit? And having John Wall come in later on, but it'll be interesting to see how he can run the second units. They're so deep that some of their second units are just going to absolutely obliterate other teams' second units is the fact that they have Tyron Lue. I think he's a top three coach in the NBA. I think he is one of the best in-game adjusters that there is in the game, too. Um, They have a ton of versatile wings, um, big guys that can defend and get after it. They are a matchup problem for a lot of teams, uh, teams like the Warriors, where sometimes they go very small. Um, the Clippers can really offset that by going really big, having wings at every position. Uh, we didn't even mention they still have Nicholas Batum, too. Like the, the team is 
you know, 10, 11 deep. And they're all NBA quality players that could be, you know, the seventh, eighth guy coming off of someone's bench or even starting on other teams. So they, they are very intriguing. I'm, I'm interested to see how it all plays out for them. Um, but like we mentioned at the top, a lot of this is going to hinge on health and, and to see if they're able to maintain that throughout the, the entirety of the season. Um, let's move on to the team that you have number two and I have them number one. Uh, it's the Golden State Warriors. Tell me why you have them number two and what are your overall thoughts on them and what needs to happen for them to be able to get back to, to hoisting that Larry O'Brien trophy again. Kind of similar, you know, take with the, with the Clippers with, with, with the, you know, regarding to the Warriors now is the depth. I mean, they're young mm -hmm. and they can take that next, they can, they can get to another level. So, and that's kind of scary <laughs> for the Warriors ah. and something that's, that's good for their future going forward, but they are young. So that, that is, you know, probably why I have them second behind the Clippers, just because that the Clippers second unit is just has a little bit more experience. Right. You know, so, um, but I, I love the Warriors young guys. I think in a few years, I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't know if, um, if uh, the ownership has any more money left, but <laughs> uh, they may have to keep some of these youngins. You know, I know that you guys are paying uh, a lot of money, especially in that taxes is crazy. It's crazy how much you're paying, but Hey, that's what it takes to win, you know, uh, and you guys have, the you know, Warriors have developed, you know, uh, their players really well. Um, he brings a different dynamic than Looney. Looney's going to do all the dirty work, you know, set screens, right. get, get all kinds of rebounds and all that. But uh, he, pre he presents something different, Wiseman. And this is the Wiseman when we've been, like, that we've been waiting for, right? That right. poise for that, you know, when, when they drafted him, you're like, okay, him and Steph, you know what they can do like it's it's going to add another level to Steph, which is kind of crazy as far as like playmaking and all that but right. i think we're going to see him emerge this year kaminga moody two guys i absolutely loved coming out the draft right i think right. moody is is, is is um poised to be really good and really help you guys obviously you got jordan Poole just locked up you got clay clay i think clay clay's gonna be better simply because he's not rehabbing no more right so uh, an all season. This is about his first all season in a while to not worry about rehab injuries. Yeah, that's big. With, where, and I'm sure that uh, that affects players, especially him with the injuries he's had. Like, it takes a toll on you. And for Absolutely. to have an all season where, like, you you're the champions, and now you just get to focus on, you know, just getting better mm -hmm. and trying to get that back format. That's big. I think you're gonna get a. a um, not the old clay, just but we're gonna see close to the old clay. And then obviously you got Steph Curry. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, um obviously the Draymond stuff is that's kind of been big on and I think eventually you guys are gonna have to figure out who's who's going to have to be let go because you can't pay everyone. And you know uh, I don't you know, know, man. It know, looks it looks like know. they do you want know, to pay everyone. I don't know where you're getting this money from, Brian. I don't know. <laughs> money from because it's wild but like it, it but that shows that you guys have drafted you hit you hit and that's you know you, you got bird rights on all these guys so hey yeah. you know resign them and then you know if the owners want to pay the tax they pay the tax you, you, you gotta it's the cost of winning but you know you know owners they still want to cut some uh, they don't want to pay too much right 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 so how the dream stuff 
I mean, that's going to be interesting to see. But if this was, like I mentioned before, if this was a younger team, if this was an inexperienced team, I would be worried, like, oh, man, that dynamic. And listen, Poole and Green may not rock with each other. Uh, they may not rock with each other. Um, but I think they have enough veteran leadership to be like, all right, you guys not, may not like each other, but it might just be for this year. <laughs> yeah. You know, so or maybe to the break or whatever. Like, so let's just, you know, let's make it work. You know, the, whatever happened, happened. That's in the past. Let's focus. We got a bigger picture. So I went championship. And I think, you know, like I said, they got Steve Carr at the helm, who's, he probably doesn't get enough love because it's like, oh, anyone can coach this team, right? You got, right. You, you heard, it's like the Phil Jackson stuff. Like, oh, I, I could coach Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, or Shaq. But I think Kurt, it's harder than people think. It's harder to deal with all these egos and, and right. personalities. And, you know, I feel like Steve Kerr is probably like wants to punch Draymond at times. He probably has. <laughs> probably has, yeah. What he probably has. Mean? The video hasn't leaked out yet, so we don't know. <laughs> uh, but, um, I think they're they're going to be in the hunt for that top seed, uh, but just because of the depth and all that. You didn't you, and I think the emergence of those young guys. If those young guys blossom, like it could be an all time season. It really can be an all time. Like you guys could be back to you know getting to that high sixties. You might be have switched me. I might think they're the number one seed because I just love the the depth of the young guys. <laughs> you guys have young guys that can be all star level players. Right. Um. So if those guys pop, man, <laughs> you guys are scared. And it's just, I'm jealous, man. I'm, I'm just jealous. Steph's getting older, you know, uh, and that's just overall. A lot, of, a lot of our guys that we grew up watching are getting yeah. older. But uh, what you they built. And, Brian, I think I told you on this on your show, me back then, and in the chat, I thought it was over, man. Everyone did. Man. A lot of people, a lot of people had written. Thought it was over, and I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not gonna go back and be like, oh no, well, no. I said it. I thought it was over. I thought I thought the reign of over. I just thought the clay injury and all that, but I didn't. I didn't think the emergence of pool and just just the hunger of this team would would get that, and the emergence of some of the younger guys and all that. I just didn't think. I just thought it was over. I thought you'd still be a good team, but I didn't think you could be a championship team again. And I was dead wrong, dead wrong. And I won't make that mistake again. Because <laughs> I will not make that mistake and riding them off. Um, but it, it's special what they're building out there, man. And it's just, they're going to be good for a while because they got. You're, you're not going to get any drawback from me, but even, even Warriors fans in general, I think um, after we lost Clay that one season without Steph, um Kelly Oubre year um like they got to the eighth seed and that was about as good as it's gonna get um and personally man I I also was a firm believer that unless they made a big time move that they weren't gonna get back to the finals that they weren't gonna be a huge contender in the west because there was a lot of things that were pointing in the opposite direction and that whole two timeline thing where you want to develop and also win very, very complicated to do very difficult to do, but they found a way to do it. And all the contributions that they're getting from their young guys, it's going to be amplified even more this year because last year, Kaminga wasn't a factor in the playoffs. Neither was Moody. Uh, Poole was at the beginning stages of the playoffs, but even towards the end, his minutes went down a little bit. His scoring output went down a little bit. And that's to be expected because you're going to play the guys that have been there before, of course. Um, but now, even in preseason, you can see those flashes of, oh, Moses Moody took a step. Oh, Jonathan Kaminga 
is feeling the game a little more. He's not making those those dumb rookie mistakes. There's still some stuff that you're just like, oh man, what are you doing? But for the most part, like you can see that playing in this system is growing on them. Same with Wiseman. I love what I saw from Wiseman during um, during the preseason. And this is going to be his first, you know, full year. He had training camp. He had preseason. Um, he's going to probably be coming off the bench. But it's it's one of those things where Steph has never had a player like this to play with, where he has the mix of that vertical threat, that lob threat, that athleticism, where he can he can change games just by being him. You know, mm-hmm. he he's going to give you 10 to 15 points just by being freakishly athletic and huge. Um, I'm, I'm very happy that they were able to extend uh, Jordan Poole and, and Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins took a slight pay cut. He was making 35 million a year. He's making around 20. He's going to be making around 27 now. Uh, it's a lot of money to be paying for all these guys. Uh, Joe Lacob had said he didn't want to exceed, I think, 400 million in in uh, in salaries and tax and all that. But he's at 483 now, and that's not even <laughs> that's not even accounting for Draymond op- opting into his uh, option, man. But it, it's it's one of those things, man. I think the the risk of the risk to reward ratio is so high. Where if you can keep these guys together, you've seen that it works. It can happen. And now you have this other generation of players that are going to be learning under the veterans, where you can extend this thing for another you know decade plus with the guys that are coming in. So where you're going to be relevant, you're going to be in the topic of conversation in the playoffs and the finals multiple times. Um, that's not to mention, like you said. You know, Clay's going to have that. It's going to be two years removed off his injury. He's not going to have to miss the first half of the season. I still think they're going to be overly cautious with him. Um, he only played in the last preseason game, but the dude had six threes in the first half. So I'm not worried about Clay. Um, I think he's going to be, like you said, a lot closer to the older Clay. He's obviously not going to have that uh, explosiveness, lateral quickness that he used to have to be a good, solid defender. But that's where the Wiggins piece comes in, where you have that guy that's 27 years old and the peak of his athletic powers, where he can go pick up the Tatums, the Bookers, the Kawhis, the anyone that you want, he can go pick up and guard. Um, yeah. And obviously, like, what, what's there to say about Steph Curry, man? He, he's 34. He's going to be 35 this season. I still think he has another, you know, solid three seasons of playing like the best guard in the NBA. Um, I could see a scenario where if he doesn't sit out some games, if they don't sit him as much and he plays, you know, 60, 65 games, I can see a scenario where they're the number one seed and he wins MVP. I think there's little things in his head that he wants. Like the finals MVP was as as stupid as it sounds like the finals. And he, listen, he should have won it the first year you guys won the championship. (laughs) I I just, I'll never understand like Iguodala, like he played good Iguodala, but like LeBron was still like 35, 12, he held him to 35, 10 to nine. <laughs> like, and that was with playing with no one. Cause remember Kyrie was hurt and Kevin Love was hurt. So like, did he really, like he, he probably stopped LeBron, but I think that was more of LeBron having no one else right. to, to give the ball to like, so right. like the fact that, and Steph didn't win it that year was kind of crazy. And the fact that the narrative, Oh, he's never won a finals MVP. You can't tell me that that was not a massive motivation last year. Oh, absolutely. He wanted massive that. He wanted that bad. Oh, he wanted that bad. And you saw in the finals, too, where he just uh, – what was it, game – Game four. Game, game, game four, five. yeah, where he just went, I'm taking over. Yeah, man. This is – that's it. And he went 
bonkers. And I think the MVP stuff, because people forgetting about him. And you always hear Giannis. We're going to hear Jokic. Um, we're going to hear, you know, Luka. Right. Like, and I think Steph's probably like, hey, um, I am a two-time MVP, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, don't forget about me here. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and absolutely. I think, I think I think at this point of your career, he's get, he's one of those players that are going to find those little things to motivate him. You know, because you got the rings. He's got the doors. He's got everything. He's done it all, yeah. He's done it all. He's top 75 all time. Making $55 million a year. Like he's, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's got a billion-dollar Under Armour deal, you know, and all that. Like, he's got he's, – he can retire now, <laughs> and he's a lock Hall of Famer. But right. to keep those motivations going, okay, they don't think I'm an MVP. Okay, I'm, not, okay, I'm about to show them. I think he, he does those little – he, he, he thrives off those little motivations. Like last year, the MVP finals, MVP, that doesn't even really mean anything. Like yeah. no one's going to be like, oh, Steph did never won a finals MVP. So he's not the greatest. He's not going to be on this, right? A top 10 or whatever. Like, no, he used that. And then boom, it's like, oh, well, guess what, guys? Now I got another thing on my resume. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I, I'm with you there. He, he, in my, obviously I'm, I'm a homer and I'm going to be biased about it. Um, but he didn't have anything to prove, man. Like he, he didn't have to win finals MVP to solidify his legacy. Like the man changed the way basketball is played all over the world at every single level. Um, There's not a lot of people like players in the NBA that can say that they did that. Um, And I just think he's, he's positioned to have a great, great year. I think they're coming off of this championship. I think they're, they're hungry for more. I think they know that, being able to lock in Wiggins and pool. And, you know, I think the Draymond stuff is a little bit of a, of a distraction, but they have so much chemistry and continuity and veteran leadership that they're probably the best position team to handle a situation like this. Um, And like you said, at the beginning, Steve Kerr is one of those coaches that can handle ego so well. And I'm sure he had a, a ton to do with, you know, the fact that pool was, Maybe not, obviously not cool with the fact that he got punched in the face that way, but the fact that he can be like, he can see the bigger picture, you know, like at the end of the day, we're trying to win here. And that's, that's all that matters. We're going to be professional about it and we're going to get after it. Um, Whether they extend Draymond or not, that's going to be a topic for another day. Um, I personally don't think that they will. And if they do, it's going to be at a much, much condensed salary very not not anywhere near what he's making right now and you know Draymond's gonna have to make that decision because his services aren't going to be needed as much his skill set isn't going to be needed as much on other teams there's probably maybe you know two teams maybe three in the league that I can see him having a similar impact and that's Portland with Dame where they can run a similar um, type of thing that he has going with Steph Obviously, Dame doesn't play off ball the way that Steph does, so it's not going to work as well. But I could see it there. Another place I could see it is maybe Atlanta with Trey Young. Um, And I've heard something about Dallas, too, with Luka. I don't know how that scenario would work. Um, There's the Lakers speculation. I don't know why they would – either party would want that besides that Draymond is in love with LeBron. Besides that, man, like I don't think there's a lot of places for him to be able to go. And I think that Draymond is a prideful person to the point where it's going to matter to him that he wants to win more. And especially if they go back to back, I don't, I think he signs up for a discounted deal. Even if it's for a year, they're like, let's go try to get a three P if they win this year, you know, something along those lines, because the window is still open. 
Yeah, um, it's still there, but you know that's going to be big. What they do with him, because right. especially if Kaminga and Moody um, emerge, right? Like you, you want those. You want to get those guys minutes. You need that youth on the wing and all that. You know, uh, you know. So uh, that's going to be big. That's that's that's, that's probably the biggest storyline is what's going to happen with Draymond. Right. And we we haven't even talked about like they lost. GP two and Otto Porter, but yeah, they, they replaced them with essentially the same type of player and yeah, Dante Divincenzo and yeah, Jamichael yeah. Green. Man, like the, yep, yep. the dubs are they have a good squad. Man, I'm super. I'm gonna go see them on Ring Night on Tuesday, and I'm super excited for that. Oh man. wow, that's I'm awesome, stuck. man! man that, that's that's sick. I I don't know if I'll ever experience a Ring Night in my life. So. <laughs> you gotta be positive, <laughs> man. You gotta be positive. Maybe one gotta, day. The only time I'll, I experience Ring Night is in 2K because uh, I know how to <laughs> I know how to build the Knicks really good and bring it to a championship yeah. I, just wish, I just wish they would listen to me and, and uh and put that in real life but uh <laughs> one day i don't know when that day will be brian but i'm hoping in my lifetime i'll get to experience that because uh, i'll be crying a lot and then even even <laughs> after this fourth one man i was crying i was just like oh man but, yeah because it, i it could have been over like it, it like right. I, said, I thought it was a wrap i thought the 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 windows closed and and that was over, but you, you, you know, good organizations figure it out and you made the right moves. Andrew Wiggins, like, you know, picking him up and then the emergence of pool and all that, like right. you, you figure it out and, and just, just capitalize. Absolutely. For that organization because they're doing it right, man. <laughs> it's impressive what they're doing. It really is. You don't see this a lot. And it's something we need to appreciate because this is how you build an organization. Cause listen, the Warriors, not too long ago, man, you know, they were dead. They were, you guys were the terrible. horrible organization. You were yeah. terrible. The laughing so stock of them, yeah. That's what gives me hope. You <laughs> to be the Warriors one day. <laughs> hey, man, I mean, they, they were, when Joe Lacob bought the team, they were worth $400 million. They're worth almost $6 billion now. All those guys that played a big, vital role in in all the championship runs, and now they've kind of continued this with with the new generation. And I found this stat interesting the other day that I took a look at it. And of the thirty teams, the thirty owners that there that there is in the NBA, Joe Lacob is not even in the top fifteen in terms of net worth yeah, yeah. for the money that he has, and he's still okay with spending the money because he knows that hey man if i give these guys the tools they're gonna reap the benefits and they're gonna you know they're gonna win championships they're gonna be competitive and i'm gonna get my money back i'm gonna give that twofold threefold you know what i mean um mm -hmm. and a lot of owners in the nba that have even more money are skeptical to do that they're like oh well we're still a year away or you know maybe we shouldn't trade three players and you know eight draft picks for x player um but it just goes to show, man, that, you know, you got to take that risk. You got to be willing to spend money. You know, there's always that saying, scared money don't make money. Um, yep. But uh, I think they're, they're, they're running it perfectly uh, over here in San Francisco. And I think they're just, I think they're just going to continue to be a really well-run organization. They're going to be competitive for years to come. And I truly believe that they're, they're well-positioned to, to be going back to back. Um, there's one more team that we have to talk about and we haven't talked about them. And that's the Denver Nuggets. We both had them third on our list. Uh, give me your reasons as to why there they could be a threat to either the Warriors or the Clippers too. That's absolutely huge for them picking, getting those guys back. And Michael Porter is looking solid. You know, they look they look good so far. They look like you know 
that they're, um, you know, like I said, they might have early season, you know, uh, chemistry, not chemistry, but like just you know, some jitters and then some some kinks they got to work out. But I think eventually they'll figure it out and they'll be, you know, we'll see Jamal Murray. Um, and that's one thing, too. I well, We're finally going to see the Jamal Murray. We, like bubble Jamal Murray was fun. But before that, we were still seeing, you know, it was he was inconsistent and all that. And even after, like before the injury and all that, it can he put it together and be an all-star? Because that's the next level for him is an all-star. Michael Porter got the max and then he's been hurt. Um, hopefully he can um can be healthy and we know Joker and all that. But they they you know they picked up um uh, who, uh Bruce Brown from Bruce Brown, uh, KCP from, as well. K, KCP. They, so they add some guys who could defend and do multiple things on the court, which is huge for them. Um so I just think, you know, and you got Jokic, who, who, who was just an absolute stud and going to be in the MVP discussion. You know, they got a lot of good pieces. Um, and I, I think maybe, you know, what what Aaron Gordon, you know, you know, I, it's crazy because they got rid of uh, Jeremy Grant a few years back. Right. And they let him go to Detroit. And it made sense because he got paid and all that. And they couldn't, they didn't think he was worthy of the money, but. They missed him dearly, and then they, then they realized, oh God, we need a guy like that, and then they right. picked up Aaron Gordon from Orlando. So they they got a lot of big guys like Christian Braun, who they took from Kansas, is a big guy who could do a, a multiple of things. Um, they took a chance on Peyton Watson, um, at UCLA. Right. I wasn't crazy about him. I had him in the second round, late second, like because I just thought he he literally did nothing at UCLA. <laughs> he like you if you just look at his stats represent his play like it's the one it's the one situation where stats don't lie right that's how he played but he's a he was a top 10 recruit and he has a lot of athleticism that if they can find that in him if they can get that out of him that he could maybe do some things and help them be another you know potential you know threat off the bench and all that but they i just right. those that they're big three if they're healthy another thing right this is the moral of the of this show is uh <laughs> Health, health is important. <laughs> the healthiest teams, in, and I, but uh, if they're healthy, and I'm basing everything on health, if everyone's healthy, right, they, they have everything to do to be a top three team, and uh-huh. and um, you know, and then Michael Porter is going to have to show us, you know, especially defensively, he needs to step up defensively. But that's been the thing for him since high school. So right. I know people like get on him like, oh, that's only been because of his back. No, he's been like that since high school, you know, but uh. Right. But they, they have the pieces. They have the pieces to do to make uh to make some um but uh this could be another team that's this could be this could be if they don't do it this year, like what what happens next? What do they do? Do they you know, do they believe Jamal Murray's that dude? Right. Michael Porter, you know, and they those those guys are tied up to Max Deal. So um but but right now they, they have what it takes to to be, you know, uh, a top three team out, out west and um, you know, they got the MV back to back MVP, you know, who, who's something we haven't seen before. A guy who has the vertical of a of a, of a turtle <laughs> yeah. that, that, you know, he doesn't that, look the part, man, but he is, the part, but like in Euro basket, he balled out in Euro basket, like he just, you know, he, he it's we haven't seen a player like him, like that. I, I can't think of anyone who's even close to him, like, no, no, he's he's so unique, man. He's the level of skill that Jokic has, I think, uh, I think we have a, a weird misconception of when we see a basketball player, we have this 
visualization in our head that they need to look like LeBron James or Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan yeah, or something yeah. like that. Well, him and Luca changed that. Him yeah, absolutely. The way we look at basketball players and James Harden too, because James Harden is not the most athletic. Even Steph too, man. He's Even a Steph too. Like Steph's not an athletic, yeah. but I think that's the thing we've seen, and that we, that's that's a whole other show. Like just the skill. Right. We focus more on the skill. We don't. We're not worried about position. Right. Right. It's it's. It's positionless to a point. You still need positions to an uh, to an extent, but the fact that you don't need the point guard to just be a floor general, like the four, point guard can know, be your center guard to be a shooting guard, you know? yeah. like that was just you know growing up. That was it, like, and that's why like a lot of guys coming in the draft and all that got kind of we saw a lot of busts because like they just oh you're a center, you're, you're seven foot, or you can only be we'll a play the five, yeah. Yeah, and like imagine Jokic just telling Jokic, "All right, you're just gonna be a back to the basket guy, oh, um, and that's it. And you can't do, you can't, you know, be on the high post, and you can't, you know, work out of there and, and pass and all that and shoot. Oh. Imagine that, like, and he he's special, and, and like I think that's the evolution of basketball, which has been good, you know. And then you know, Steph, we just talked about Steph, how he changed the game, <laughs> he changed the way we look, how we evaluate talent. I have them as a top three, top five seed just off him even if they if jamal murray and michael poyer were were, were uh not healthy uh just off him because he could carry a team but uh he's special and um they could do special things but it'll all come down to jamal murray and michael porter's health and yeah man they they he essentially carried them to 48 wins last year and he had a pretty you know m- mediocre roster um i don't like to call NBA players mediocre or bums or anything like that because they're obviously in the NBA, but they had he's a, he had a pretty uh, not as talented team as a lot of other players, but he still dragged them to forty eight wins last season. He's a player that is, you can pencil him in for playing almost every game every season, so he's he's going to be available. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Jamal Murray looks um, coming off of that ACL. It. ACL injuries aren't what they used to be for NBA players. So my initial thoughts are that he's going to be fine. Uh, mm-hmm. And that two-man game that Jamal has with, with Jokic, it's it's really top-tier stuff. It's, you know, second nature. I know where you're going. You know where I'm going type thing. And now they added, like you mentioned, players like Bruce Brown who can, you know, play bigger and defend other guys. He's a great cutter. I think Jokic and him are going to have a great, great connection. Uh, you have KCP to be chasing around all the best guards in the league. And you make mention Michael Porter Jr., who got that big extension, hasn't lived up to it yet, has been hurt, has had a lot of lingering effects of that injury. But if he is able to, you know, replicate what he did the year of the bubble and, and even be a little bit better, he's going to be a huge offensive weapon for them. And then you have Aaron Gordon, too, where Aaron Gordon is best suited to have a minimal role where he's you know the fourth fifth best guy and not asked to be the second best guy where it, what it was uh this last season with Jokic being at the helm there and I think uh something to also keep in mind is that Mike Malone is a great coach so he's he's proven that he knows how to get the most out of his guys whether it's the end of the bench guy um whether it's Jokic he he knows how to how to uh maneuver them in ways to put them in in successful positions mm-hmm. So I think there's a scenario in where they can come out as the number one seed in the West. I think they're really going to go for it. I could see them winning, you know, 60 games if everything goes right. But um, regardless, I think they're going to be 
playoff contenders. I think they're going to be conference finals contenders. And I don't think anyone is going to want to see the Nuggets in, in the playoffs either. Nope. They, they could be scary. If everything goes right, like if we see Jamal Murray before the ACL, it looked like he was going to be make his first all-star game. Right. Um, and Michael Porter, who was emerging before the injury, this team can, can like you said, win high 50, 60 games and, and be the number one seed because I can, we could, we, we wouldn't be shocked the Clippers and, and the Warriors, you know, rest some games because they don't really, it doesn't, especially for the Warriors, right. it don't matter where they are in the standings. They, they'll, they can win the championship being an eight seed. Like uh, right. it doesn't really matter for them. It's all about just being healthy. Um, so would not shock me. This team has a high ceiling, um, but there is pressure. There is pressure. Mike Malone and all that. There's, there's definitely hot seat. We heard a lot of hot seat things coming into the year, um, but you know, he's had to deal with a lot of injuries, <laughs> especially when you lose you, your second and third best player right. uh, for a significant time. I mean, and yeah, you do have Jokic, but he can only do so much. Absolutely. You know, uh, you get a little pass, so, but if they're healthy and. Absolutely. All right. Before we get out of here, uh, I want to run through our standings predictions, and we're just going to start from the bottom and move our way up. Uh, we're going to start with our 15th, uh, 15th position team in the Western Conference, and then we're going to move up. We're not going to talk so much about them, but let's we're just going to say where we think these teams are going to land um, and just a few comments on them, maybe so. Your 15th team in the Western Conference. Uh, the Thunder. The Thunder. I have OKC, too. Uh, yeah. 14th, who do you have? The Spurs. Me, too. Spurs. The thir- 13th team. The Jazz. The Jazz. Me, too. <laughs> uh, 12. 12, I have the Rockets. The Rockets. Me, too. 11. All right. All right. 11, the Blazers. The Blazers. I have the Blazers, too. There we All go. Right. See, Greg might stick alike. All right. Uh, at ten, the Kings. The Kings. I. The, all right. This is where it, it should get interesting here. Who do you have at nine? The Lakers. The Lakers. <laughs> the Lakers too. All right. Uh, and I might actually. And I thought about. I might have to put them behind the Kings. I'm not gonna change it now, but I. I thought about. There's a team. scenario where they're fighting for that ten spot. Yeah, man. there. There is a scenario where they're the tenth. Um. Oh, you said eight. Yeah. Who do you have at eight? I have the Mavericks. The Mavericks. Okay. That's where we diverge. I have the Grizzlies at eight. Okay. I think, you know, I, they're not going to have Jerry and Jackson for a while. They lost, you know, uh, Trey Jones. They have, they lost um, slow-mo as well. They're a little thinner than they were last year. Um, I don't think, I think the fact that they went, you know, 20 and two without jaw was kind of a fluky type thing. Um, I don't think that's happening again. If he gets hurt, um, hopefully he doesn't. I like how jaw plays. Um, but I have the Grizzlies at eight. I think they regress a good amount. Who do you have at seven? I'm going to have the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies. Okay. I have the Suns at seven. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of drama going on over there. I I don't know what's going to happen. Chris Paul is 97 years old, so I don't know what to expect from them. All right. Six. Their window was uh, closed. Yeah. Uh, I I think they missed it, man. I think they missed their window. It's definitely closed. I believe Um, six. I got the Timberwolves. Timberwolves. Okay. I have the Pelicans at six. Okay. Um, at six. All right. Who do you have at five? I have the Suns at five. The Suns. I have the Mavericks at five. I think, I think Luca should be the favorite to win MVP. I just don't like the team around him. I don't, I don't um, like the team at all. But I, I think Luca's good enough for you know at least the same number of wins as they had last year. He's 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 that guy. He's him. 
Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think the Suns, I have them a five. I still think they'll be a good regular season team, but obviously the playoff, I think that right. grossly changes for them. Yeah, man. I feel like the Suns are one of those teams where these internal issues will affect them more than other teams. You know what I mean? That's why I have them yes. lower. And like I mentioned before, like with the war, like if you the Warriors, I don't have an issue with Boston, not as much of an issue with, but the Suns, I feel like they, they don't know that that all everything I feel like is is going to hit the fan. Right. And, and uh, they're not even going to have Jay Crowder, too. Jay Crowder is yeah, a huge Jay part Crowder of the team. Stuff, obviously, the Robert Sarver stuff, the fact that the, the coach and the center haven't talked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, how, how are you going to win games if you don't have a you, talking relationship with your starting center? Like yeah, that's weird. That's a weird game. But I think they'll win enough games in regular season. But the playoffs, I think they'll, they'll, they'll fade away. All right. Who do you have at four? The Pelicans. The Pelicans, okay. I have the Timberwolves at four. I think they're going to have a great regular season. Um, I'm still iffy. I haven't decided how I see them faring out in um, in the playoffs, but I think that Rudy Gobert adds so much to their defense where Cat's not going to have to be doing so much. Um, I'm still wondering how the fit's going to work, how it's going to – how aesthetically is going to be but i'm a huge anthony edwards believer i think he's he's that guy i think he can be the best player on a championship team so i'm, I'm really high on him yeah i think uh they're, they're a weird team to figure out i have them lower but um i think uh and, but as far as the pelicans i think i i, I maybe i'm i'm just over jealous of them uh or whatever <laughs> that is, but i just love that team and i mentioned them before i just did think that they're going to be have a really good season good, man they're good all right and then we already went through our top three we have clippers nuggets warriors um in that same order right i have clippers warriors nuggets i think you had uh warriors clippers nuggets right? yeah i have warriors at one uh, cl- uh nuggets at two and clippers at three yeah. yeah all right perfect cool now let's go to the eastern conference 15 who do you have i have the pacers at 15 pacers me too all right 14 14, I have the Orlando Magic. Oh, okay. I have the Pistons at 14. I think they're still a little ways away. Yeah. Uh, 13, who do you have? I have the Pistons at 13. Okay. I have the Washington Wizards at 13. Yeah. No faith in that team. All right, 12. Yeah, that's a team that's like the Wizards that uh, I know they got Beal, and Beal's a great player. But other than yeah. that, like they're, they're just a team that to probably think about uh, being in that lottery. Right, yeah. Who do you have at 12? 12, I got the Hornets. Me too. All right, 11. The Wizards. I have the Magic at 11. I think Paolo, Franz, Wendell Carter, we talked about it at the beginning. I think they're going to have a great year. All right, 10. 10, I got my my Knicks. You have the Knicks at 10? I got the Knicks at 10. I have the Bulls at 10. And you know what? And I made, because I made my list probably a few days ago, like just, I always just writing down stuff and me too. And I might flip that. I might flip because the Bulls have a lot of injuries. Yeah. And Alonzo Bulls out. And I liked them last year. This year, I don't like them as much. But yeah, I, still, no, I, I can't. I can't really see Rosen having that same year that he had last year. To be honest. Yeah. And Levine has the knee, and Vooch is a little older. He's still skilled, but yeah, you know uh, that trade that they made, you know, is looking a little worse as. But I still think they're a little bit better than the Knicks. Right. I have the Knicks at nine. Who do you have at nine? I have the Bulls at night. The Bulls, okay. Yeah, I think if you flip-flop them, it's – yeah, it doesn't matter. All right, eight. I have the Atlanta Hawks. 
Me too. I think um, that Trey Young, DeJounte Murray looks nice on paper, but I need to see it first. All right. Yeah, All they right. have a they got a they got a weird uh especially on the perimeter. Is DeAndre Hunter, what DeAndre Hunter we're gonna get and all that. Right. They got some they gotta figure out some stuff. Seven. The Raptors. <clears throat> I have the Miami Heat at seven. Miami Heat. And you know what? I, I I'm I have them higher, the Heat, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're at seven, to be honest. Yeah, man. I, I just they're so good on defense, but their offense, they're so reliant on Tyler Hero. And I like Tyler Hero, but that's a lot to be, you know, putting on someone like that, in my opinion. Um, six, who do you have? Six, I have the Cavaliers. Hmm. I have the Nets at six. A lot of mm-hmm. talent there. You just have to see if they are all on the same page and if they can stay healthy as well. Yeah. Biggest uh, one in the league. Or absolutely. I have them High, highest ceiling and almost like lowest floor type thing. Like it could be really, really good. Like I would not be shocked if, you know, come – late may early june were like oh you know the brooklyn nets are in the conference finals but i could also see where you know in march we're like damn the brooklyn nets are the ninth seed you know what i yeah, mean the yeah. you have right. the biggest range of uh they can win the championship which i don't think people would be surprised or right. they're a playing team and they get swept in the first yeah, round or they're not even out. in the playoffs because they lose a playing game like that wouldn't surprise me either absolutely five who do you have I have the Nets at five. Uh, I have the Cavs at five. And four, who do you have? I have Miami. I, I just – this is just because it's Miami and I trust that they'll be there. But, like, I have the same reports too, like offense, yeah. you know. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're lower and, like, the Raptors and the Cavs, you know, jump ahead of them. I have the Raptors at four. I think they are a matchup nightmare for every team. They are. They are. And I just want to – why I have them low is – you know, I don't know if we're going to – who's going to emerge after Siakam? Like, is, are we going to – Scotty Barnes' rookie of the year, is he going to take that next? Who's their Who's their second guy? Is it Fred? Do you want Fred Van Vliet to be that guy? Like, it, it, Gary Trent is not a number two. He's a good player. He's a scorer. But and that's the one thing I, I, I kind of worry is, um, you know, who's going to take that? Because Siakam, too, is Siakam truly a number one? Is he a number one guy, you know, that could be – can lead you to a conference finals? Not sure, but they have the length and the pieces to uh, to me even make a move, big time move. If they really want to, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were they were involved in the Kevin Durant discussions too, so they're going to be a team to keep an eye on for sure. All right, number three, who do you have? I, oh, we already talked about our top three. We yeah. have uh, who do you have at three though in that order? I have like, the Celtics. Celtics, me too, and then two. Celtics, Sixers, and then the Bucks as the number one seed. All right, I put Sixers at one, and then the Bucks at two, but. Yeah, I think we have pretty similar uh, standings here. And it'll be interesting to see if um, all of these shape out the way we think or, you know, what teams is going to surprise us in either a positive or negative direction. But before we take off here, um, is there anything that you want to plug, anything you want to tell the listeners to keep an eye out coming from you? Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on anytime I can talk ball. You know, it don't matter how long it is, man. I could talk ball all day. It's just it's basketball season's around the corner, and I'm just excited that it's here. Um, but uh, obviously, uh, you can follow me on Off the Ball Pod on it, on Twitter, Instagram. Um, follow follow my net Off the Ball Network, OTB underscore Network on Twitter. Follow off, go to OffTheBallNetwork.com. Got a lot of great articles there. Follow the YouTube channel, um, Off the Ball Network. 
uh, the pod. I dropped the pod with Francis Carlotto, who, who uh, who's a member of the Oathball Network and also writes for SB Nation, covering the Grizzlies. That was my recent. I did a Sebastian Telfer, you know, yeah, breaking yeah. down his high school, <clears throat> breaking down his high school career, you know, because he got forgotten in that point guard doc. So I kind of had to just remember people how great he was in high right. school. So we, I just broke down his all, all his high school accolades and how great he was and how much he meant to me, you know, living in New York City and all that. So um. I got a college basketball show that I'm in the works of doing um, and uh, that I'm excited about doing, you know, dive into, you know, everything college basketball, talk about high school basketball also, right. you know, recruits and all that. So getting some more deep diving into in basketball, obviously I love the NBA and all that and I'll continue to do the podcast, but just expanding, doing college basketball and all that. So uh, I'm excited about that. So, uh, but yeah, man, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure and basketball season's what? Couple days away. Couple days away. You know, you'll be at the ring ceremony. Yes, sir. Um, so that that's dope. Uh get to see your team, you know, raise another banner, which is pretty dope. And uh, you know, optimism in New York, maybe, you know, for my team. So uh good times, good times. Basketball season's around the corner, and uh we're gonna pump out some dope content at the Oldsville Network. So this is our time, basketball season. So I'm excited, man. Absolutely. Well, that's all we have for you guys today, as always. I appreciate you all for listening to this week's episode. Like Chris said, basketball is back. This season is going to be absolutely insane. I can just feel it. Chris, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to hop on the All the Hype show. You guys heard all of uh, Chris's shows and socials. They'll all be linked in the description. So be sure to check out all the amazing work that he has coming out. Check out the rest of the Off the Ball Network. We have the best content out there. So please tune into some of the shows we have. We have great podcasts, live streams, articles for literally every single sport. So shout out to the guys over at the network. Please support us if you can. And as well, please keep supporting the All The Hype podcasts. Listen, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Listen and follow on Spotify or wherever else you listen to your podcast. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at All The Hype Pod. It's All The Hype Pod. Thanks again, everyone. Take care. Peace.